Last time on Midnight Mosey, Billy Dixon and the other buffalo hunters arrived at the small settlement of Adobe Walls. Billy purchased a new firearm and bedded down with the other buffalo hunters in the saloon. A strange noise woke everyone. Well, with everybody awake, people started making repairs to the supposedly cracked pole and the roof. Billy went outside and started packing up gear, planning to ride out and head to Dodge City. But then something caught his eye. He described it as a black body of moving objects coming down towards adobe walls. With hideous cries, the thudding roar of running horses, this fan of objects moved out and he suddenly realized it was hundreds of Indians coming at adobe walls all at once. Had it not been for that broken ridge pole, said Billy Dixon, everyone would have been asleep when the attack came. Billy reported that he made a dash for his horse, the, his first thought being to save the animal. He managed to grab the horse and tie it to a wagon. Not that there was going to be much point. There were so many Indians coming so fast. And it was a sight that Billy Dixon never forgot. Here's what he described. There was never a more splendidly barbaric sight. In after years, I was glad that I had seen it. Hundreds of warriors, the flower of the fighting men of the southwestern plains tribes, mounted upon their finest horses, armed with guns and lances, and carrying heavy shields of thick buffalo hide, were coming like the wind. Over all was splashed the rich colors of red, vermilion, and ochre. On the bodies of the men, on the bodies of the running horses, scalps dangled from bridles, gorgeous war bonnets fluttered their plumes, bright feathers dangled from the tails and manes of the horses, and the bronzed, half-naked bodies of the riders glittered with ornaments of silver and brass. Behind this headlong charging host stretched the plains on whose horizon the rising sun was lifting its morning fires. The warriors seemed to emerge from this glowing background. Well, Billy Dixon took in a moment to appreciate the wonder of the sight, then realized he should probably be fighting, so he, um, he started shooting with what he had. But remember, he'd forgotten some ammunition for that new gun. He'd end up having to get that later. He got off one decent shot, but ended up just running back into the saloon. In fact, everybody ended up running back into the nearest buildings they could. Well, except the Shadler brothers. They were found later. Their bodies were found. Scalped near their wagon. Interestingly, something else was found scalped, too. The Shadler's dog. It was a sign of respect, they say, that the dog was scalped also big black Newfoundland dog. He must have fought back when the Comanches and the Kiowa and the Cheyenne came rushing in, or they wouldn't have taken the time to scalp him. Oh, and if you're wondering where Billy Dixon's dog was at this point, she had wandered off. Another story. But let's keep focusing for now on Billy. The second battle of adobe walls quickly turned into a siege. With the buffalo hunters all trying to hunker down, and the tribes continuing to attack them. 
28 men and one woman hunkered down in the little buildings at adobe walls on the third day there was a little bit of a lull in the action and billy and some of the others were able to step out and look around the day before billy had finally had a really good attempt a really good opportunity to try out that new rifle now billy was a good shot but this was a new gun and well he admitted he kind of made a fool out of himself he fired out from an opening above the doorway in the general store where he happened to be hunkered down at that point in the siege and he wasn't ready for the kick that the rifle gave him he actually lost his balance fell off of where he was and landed on a wash tub and some old pails everybody thought instantly from the terrible noise and the fact that he'd fallen that billy must have been shot he pulled himself up and dusted himself off and said, no, he wasn't hurt, but he did need to learn how to use that gun. Well, then we get to day three. Now Billy knows what kind of a kick this new gun has. And he and some of the others notice up on a hill out in the distance, some Indians sitting on horseback. Some Indians sitting on horseback. Somebody says, hey, Billy, you think you can hit one of them? And Billy decides, you know what, he's going to try. Raises the rifle, takes very careful aim, pulls the trigger, and knocks an Indian right off his horse. That shot has gone down in history as the mile-long shot. Billy, who was very modest in his biography about the whole experience, he really just said it was a lucky shot. He estimated it was maybe seven-eighths of a mile. People have measured the distance from where he was standing to that actual hill since, and turns out it was five-sixths of a mile. I kind of think it's nitpicking. What we're talking about is a situation where no scopes, there were sights on the rifle, but this man pulled off in a single shot something that sounds pretty darn near challenging for even a modern-day sniper. It's one of the reasons Billy Dixon has gone down in history. Was day three day five of the siege billy dixon was witness to probably the greatest tragedy of the second battle of adobe walls now i say that very conscious of the fact that many did die during the battle and during the siege native americans died people like the shadlers died but i'm referring to what happened on day five as a tragedy for a particular reason I mentioned there was one woman at Adobe Walls. She was the wife of William Olds. On the fifth day, William Olds was coming down from his perch at the top of one of the buildings. There were openings that 
the buffalo hunters had cut in some of the roofs so that they could climb up top and have a better vantage point for seeing where the Indians were and for trying to shoot back. William Olds was coming down a ladder, and he did the thing you were never supposed to do, the thing that they warn you about in all the gun safety courses. Ah, uh, I mean, they even talk about this in the safety courses in order to get a Texas hunting license. Uh, I'll put it this way. Let's say that you, you're out on a hunting trip and you want to climb over a fence. You don't try to climb over a fence carrying a loaded gun. You should be handing it to somebody else, and they can hold it while you do the climbing. William Olds didn't follow the rules. He came down the ladder carrying a loaded gun. He slipped, the gun fell, and it went off. His wife walked into the room just in time to witness her husband accidentally kill himself. Billy Dixon watched it, too, and he spoke a lot about the courage of Mrs. Olds, courage she showed throughout the siege and after seeing her husband die, too. But this was the Old West. This was the way things could be. One mistake could be fatal. Eventually, help came for the buffalo hunters at Adobe Walls, and the battle ended. After it was done, Billy Dixon decided, along with Bat Masterson, to get a job as a scout for the U.S. Army. They were hired by the group serving under Colonel Miles. Ah, the colonels of that era in this part of the world. Hmm. Separate issue in and of themselves. Well, Billy was sent out with a group. We're looking now at September 10th of 1874. And they were to carry dispatches from one camp down to Fort Supply. There's Billy, another scout named Amos Chapman, Sergeant Woodall, Private Peter Rath, Private John Harrington, and Private George Smith. Small group of men, traveling light, not given much in the way of provisions. The idea was they were supposed to travel light and they were supposed to travel fast. You see, we're into the Red River Indian War. The Second Battle of Adobe Walls was the thing, the incident, the U.S. Army had been waiting for. And now it was all-out war. The Native Americans knew it, and the U.S. Army knew it too. So this mission of carrying dispatches down to Fort Supply was no casual ride through the staked plains. There came a point when Billy and the group realized they weren't just about to be attacked by some Comanche and Kiowa. No, they were surrounded. And there wasn't much in the way of cover. This was a time when the Native Americans actually did a really good job of keeping dangerous fires in check by doing controlled burns of the prairie. They would set a particular area on fire and just burn off all the dead area so that new grass and new plants could grow in. This prevented situations where nobody had been taking care of all the dead wood and an uncontrollable wildfire could just sweep in. Well, the particular area 
where they caught up with Billy Dixon and his group, had been through a controlled burn, there was not much vegetation, and it was relatively flat, so there just wasn't much in the way of cover. When they were attacked, Billy and the other men quickly decided Private George Smith should be in charge of the horses, and that the other men would focus on the fighting. Private Smith was shot, and the Comanches did something the Comanches did very well. They quickly stampeded the horses. This was one of their favorite battle tactics. In fact, it's kind of a shame that Billy Dixon wasn't working for Colonel McKenzie instead of for Colonel Miles. Colonel McKenzie could have warned them about the attempt to stampede the horses. He'd lost his own favorite horse that way. Smith hit the ground, more or less landed on his face and stomach. Initially, the men thought that he was dead. Found out later on, he wasn't, not yet anyway. But they didn't know that they did not want the attackers to get a hold of Smith's weapons. So every time one of the Indians got close, the rest of the party would fire at them so that Smith's weapons were still near him. He just couldn't reach them. He was too badly injured. Very soon, almost everybody in the party was injured, including Billy himself, who was shot in the calf. Although, being Billy Dixon, he didn't make too much of it. The party looked around, trying to find one place where they could find just any kind of shelter. They started to relocate. Amos Chapman thought he saw a good place and got up and made a run for it. But he was quickly shot. And Amos Chapman, adventurer like Billy was, now a scout, thought that this was the end for him. He really did. Billy happened to be looking Amos right in the eyes when the bullet hit. And Amos looked at him and said, Billy, I am hit at last. The shot actually broke Amos's leg. Billy looked around wildly for some other source of cover. And eventually he spotted a buffalo wallow. Now, a buffalo wallow is a spot where the buffalo decided they wanted to roll around in the, on the ground. You may have seen your own pet if you've got a pet dog do this. Imagine several dozen or even a hundred large buffalo all rolling around in one spot of the ground. They actually make something of a depression. And Billy found a buffalo wallow that was not too deep, but about 10 feet in diameter. And this one happened to be on very sandy ground. That was both a good thing and a bad thing. We'll get to why it was bad later. For right now, initially, this seems like a really great thing. It's sandy. It's soft. We could actually make this deeper. And the men who were not so badly injured that they couldn't run made it into the wallow. And including Billy, they pulled out their butcher knives and started using them to dig deeper holes. Eventually, Billy saw something of a break in the action and, even though he was shot himself, managed to go back for Amos Chapman, carried Amos, basically piggyback style, back to the wallow. Now, this entire time, they've been under attack by the Indians. It was constant shooting, and this continued from the morning throughout most of the day until about 3 p.m. in the afternoon when a great thunderstorm rolled in. The Comanches did not like thunderstorms. They had their own reasons for it. 
But what it meant for Billy and the rest of the men from the army party was that they had a chance for some relief. The other good thing about the thunderstorm was it meant they finally had water. See, you might remember the horses had all been stampeded. Well, that meant all the food in the canteens were gone, too. And one thing that Billy Dixon looked back on with a good deal of sorrow later on, he lost his coat, too. Oh, it wasn't so much the loss of the coat. But in one of the coat pockets had been Billy's only photo of his mother, who died when he was a young boy. It was kind of his last link to home and the family that he lost so young. Never saw it again. But the rain, at least, did bring water. And Billy talked about the relief and yet the oddness of the whole thing. When the rain fell and began to fill up the wallow, the men were eager to lean down and drink it. But Billy described it as being muddy and red with their own blood. But the men were so thirsty they didn't even care. The problem, though, with being in a sandy buffalo wallow... Remember I said there was a good thing? Yeah, here's the bad thing. It's sandy, so it's going to collect water. In fact, it's very quickly going to turn into a lake. The men really couldn't see to try to escape from the wallow. They knew some of the Comanches had left, but some of the other Indians could still be in the area. It wasn't particularly safe to leave. So they're stuck in this buffalo wallow that they actually dug to make it deeper, and now it's filling up with water. What are they going to do? They're injured. In the case of Amos Chapman, injured v pretty severely. They also realize that they're very low on ammunition. At this point, Private Peter Wraith decides he's going to go for Smith's gun and ammunition. In doing so, he finds out Smith is actually still alive. So Billy goes to help, and they manage to get George Smith down into the wallow with them. Now they're all there in the wet and the increasing cold. Because all the area around had been burned of old wood and old grasses, there was nothing they could collect for bedding. Well, at least nothing they saw readily. Then somebody had the idea, what about the tumbleweeds? Ah, yes, the tumbling tumbleweeds. If there's wind in the panhandle, a sure thing to follow will be the tumbleweeds. And while they're a bit of an annoyance to us nowadays, I've actually got a dent still in the front of my car from a rather large one I was not able to avoid as I was driving along the highway. Oh, I swear that thing was as big as a house. But for this situation, there were some good points about tumbleweeds. They're very springy. In fact, as Billy Dixon described it, it was almost like a wire mattress. So he and a couple of the other men who were able to maneuver fairly well through their pain and injuries collected as many tumbleweeds as they could and pulled them down into the now Buffalo Lake and managed to help the injured men get up on top of them. And that's where they all spent the night, in the cold, in the rain, nobody really sleeping. About 9 p.m., Private Wraith decides he's going to try to go for help. Maybe he can make it back to the fort. Maybe he could make it to Fort Supply. He goes, but in just a short while, he comes back and explains that in the dark and in the rain, he's not sure he can actually find the trail that they should have been on. He was lucky to find it his way back to the Buffalo Wallow. So they all stay. They estimated later on that about 
11 p.m., Smith passed away. The next morning, Billy says he's going to go for help on foot. Now keep in mind, he's going on foot. There are hostile Indians in the area, and he's been shot in one leg. Well, he was still the best hope they had at that point. And so he started heading towards Fort Supply, and he actually did find a group of soldiers. He directed them back towards the Buffalo Wallow, guiding them with shots when they started going the wrong direction. But the men in the Wallow were so panicked that the Indians were coming back, they actually uh, shot one of the horses of the rescuers. The group of soldiers that Billy had found were led by Major Price. And according to Major Price, this entire incident was a great inconvenience. No, he could not spare them much food. Here's a little beef jerky. No, he couldn't spare them any ammunition or weapons. He barely had enough for his own small group. The medics had enough time to examine the injuries and pass out some fresh bandages, but that was about it. There was no real treatment given. And Major Price said he would go on to a larger group in the army and send back some real help. Uh, by the way, this did not go well for Major Price's career. He was reprimanded for how he chose to handle this incident. But this meant that everyone injured in the Battle of Buffalo Wallow, after having seen would-be, what they hoped would be, rescuers arrive, were still injured and still in the Buffalo Wallow. In fact, they spent an entire second day, most of a second night in there, on the tumbleweeds, in the water. It's midnight, and the second night when they heard the bugles of real rescuers arrive. Smith was buried at the site. Amos Chapman, well, that broken leg had to be amputated. And once it was healed up, Amos Chapman went back to being a scout for the U.S. Army. In fact, everyone went back to either scouting or openly fighting. Billy made the comment in his biography that he often wished he had gone back and marked the site somehow, marked where Smith was buried. But the remoteness of the site kept him away, and he used to think, once the area became settled, he used to wonder what had ended up there. He pictured farms, maybe a small town, and people going about their daily lives, going right past that site with no idea of what had ever occurred. Mr. Dixon, I can tell you what's out there today. There is a historic marker, and it's outside of 
a ranch gate. There's ranching going on. And there's a lot of oil and gas activity out there, too. There's really no wallow left anymore. If, <laughs> if anything, there's actually a little bit of a rise as you get up towards the gate itself. I don't know how many people who drive past there think about the fact that one of the great skirmishes or battles of the Red River Indian War was fought on that site. But if you take time to read the marker, or if you're a crazy amateur local historian, ahem, who actually drove out there on purpose to find the marker, then you get a moment to think about what happened. Billy certainly never forgot it. Never forgot the Second Battle of Adobe Walls, either. Those two things had a lasting impact for him. He did settle in the area. In fact, he never wanted to be anywhere else. He commented years later that he was surprised at Bat Masterson wanting to go back and be a journalist in a big city. Why would you ever want to do that? Why would you ever want to leave the Texas Panhandle once you'd known the open plains and the big, wide-open sky? How could you ever want to leave? He even made the comment that, to his mind, it went against basic human psychology for someone to know the wide-open spaces and then decide they preferred the city. But for all they had in common, including experiences, Billy Dixon and Bat Masterson were very different men. But Billy found his home. That description I read of what he saw at the start of the Second Battle of Adobe Walls never left him. He told his wife, in fact, when he was ill, that he wanted his final resting place to be the spot he was standing when he looked up and saw that charge, that mighty charge of the Native Americans at the start of that monumental battle. And he got his wish. If you go out to the battle site today, the buildings aren't there anymore. They were all allowed to crumble. You can barely even find the foundations. But you can figure out where different parts of the battle happened based on a few markers. One is where the two brothers and the dog were killed in their wagon, but the other is Billy Dixon's grave, because it marks the front doorway of one of the buildings, and from there you can pretty much pace out everything else. And you can get to the battle site for the Second Battle of Adobe Walls. It's on private ranch land. I actually talk about this when I teach a business law class at the local university. When we talk about property law, I need to explain what an easement is. And this is about the best local example I know. You can take the Caliche Road into the ranch to visit the battle site for the Second Battle of Adobe Walls. Now, that's the only thing you can do. Don't you dare set a foot off that battle site. Don't you dare stop anywhere else on the ranch land. The rest is absolutely private property. And the only reason you could be on that ranch land if you're there without an invitation from the owners is just to visit the battle site. You can't even get through to visit the first Battle of Adobe Walls battle site without special permission. And the Hutchison County Historic Society has done a pretty good job of organizing almost annual trips so you can see the first battle site. But the second battle site is publicly accessible because it ended up being such an a nationally important event. It did start off the Red River Indian War. Now as to the lasting impact of the Battle of Buffalo Wallow. Billy Dixon and the other survivors were all awarded Congressional Medals of Honor for their valor 
at the Battle of Buffalo Wallow. And then a few years later, somebody in Congress said, wait a minute, a couple of the men we gave medals to, Amos Chapman and um, Billy Dixon, they weren't actually enlisted in the army. They were just working for the government. They were just contract workers. We shouldn't have given them the Medal of Honor. We need to tell them to give those medals back. According to the local story, Billy didn't feel like giving his medal back to Congress. And so he made an interesting move. He donated his Medal of Honor to our local museum, the Panhandle Plains Historic Museum. It's on the campus of West Texas A&M University. He figured if he gave it to the museum, then Congress could try to get it from the museum if they thought they could. But Congress certainly wasn't going to take it back from him. And his plan basically worked. The museum said, oh, no, it was a donation. We're not turning it over. It's now an artifact. And Congress did back down. A few years after that, somebody in Congress said, that really was not a very classy thing for us to do, was it? I mean, we gave them medals and then we took them back? One of those guys lost a leg. Yeah, that was not a classy move on our, our part at all. Uh, let's reissue the Medals of Honor. And so Billy Dixon actually got a new Medal of Honor for the Battle of Buffalo Wallow. And that one has stayed with the family, is my understanding. But Billy Dixon's first Medal of Honor, you can see on display to this day in the Panhandle Plains Historic Museum. When you go there for a tour, ask somebody in the museum where it is. Last time I saw it, it was in a case along with some artifacts from the Second Battle of Adobe Walls. Well, that's our little bit of history about Billy Dixon. This is a man who ended up being one of the first settlers in this area, one of the first pioneers in the wilderness. Came as a buffalo hunter and stayed on, married a local school teacher, stayed and had a family, started a ranch, because once he got here, he just couldn't imagine ever living anywhere else. And it is an interesting place to live. He wasn't the only one struck by it. Another man struck by the potential of this place was a man named Charles Goodnight.